Hello, and welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember the simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Look, once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer and also in His Word. Again, I know I say it every single week, but the time is quickly approaching where we're going to have to rely on the Lord more than we ever have before in our lives. I think it's something that's going to happen here sooner rather than later. Um, you know, our pastor actually just keep reminded me of a, of a message that he was at in, in a revival actually here in, uh, where we live. And, and the guy said was talking to a lot of auto people and he's basically saying that, look, your pensions aren't going to be there. Social security is not going to be there. You're going to have to rely on God at some point for everything. And I think that we're going to get there, right? And and I think that it's also important to understand that the, this church, the church at the end, the church that ushers in the, the return of Christ is going to be more like the first century church than any other church that's that's been in existence since then. But the problem is it's going to be a remnant. And I think we have to understand that. And to be part of that remnant is to have an intimacy with the Lord. Because just as much as the, as the church has kind of drifted away from God to an extent, there's still a remnant that's staying close to him and as tight to him as it possibly can. And I just cannot stress that enough, right? And again, once again, just make sure that we still pray for Israel as well, given everything that's going on over there um, as they kind of reignited the, the war against Hamas and they're literally fighting for their survival right now. I mean, if they actually stopped fighting here, it would be they don't exist anymore based upon what happened with Hamas. They have to take care of Hamas. I mean, if you think about it, think about what would happen if if Canada decided to take shots at the United States. I mean, the U.S. would go forward and would basically wipe Canada off the map. And, and that's exactly what Israel's doing right now. They're defending their nation. But I think that's important that we pray for them, that God's will would happen. Obviously, we just went through a bunch of different wars that have to happen here um, in order for the end to come to to come to pass. But I'm telling you right now that I don't know that this is going to stop. I think that this is going to continue and broaden out. Lord hasn't told me that. I'm not saying that prophetically and saying that that's what's happening, but that's just my own personal opinion. But here's what I will tell you is that the protests that are happening, particularly in in the Western nations um, around, you know, free Palestine from the, the river to the sea, all of that, it, it's all based in rebellion. Rebellion against what God wants, rebellion against the things that God really wants to happen in Israel, and rebellion of not understanding who the land belongs to. It's part of the inheritance of Abraham, which was given to Isaac. All of it was given to Isaac. Ishmael was was sent off to do his own thing, and he was made a great nation, but it was all given to Isaac. And we have to understand that, and we've got to understand that, that even though for for the gospel's sake, the Jews are our enemies. For election stakes, they are still the chosen of God because the gifts of calling of God are without repentance. Amen. So I just wanted to kind of get that off my chest a little bit because it's very, very disheartening when I see a lot of these protests going on, a lot of these these free Palestine type things, a lot of people calling it a genocide and all of that. And, and this is nowhere near that. This isn't that at all. Now, look, I don't I don't always agree with the Israeli government and what they do, but I do support the the people of Israel in particular and the fact that they are God's chosen people and that we are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So I just want to make sure that we understand that here is that they're for election sake, you know, they are, they are who the, who they are, and they're ultimately still the, the children of God. We also have to understand here that as Christians, our faith is rooted in Jewish in Jewish tradition, right? In Jewish scripture. And the fact is that we are about to celebrate Christmas here, and we're going to celebrate the birth of a Jewish man who was fully God 
who came and fulfilled the prophets, fulfilled a lot of the, all the, every single scripture that could possibly be made for him and for his coming. And I just think that's really important that we understand the roots of Christianity lie in Judaism and ultimately with the Jewish people. So with that being said, last week we went through Esther chapter three, where we talked about where authority is derived from, um, which is from God. And again, this is a really important foundational piece to all of this and to what is happening. Just as when we started this season, looking at the heavenly host, we must understand that God has given authority to the gods of antiquity for this time, that he may ultimately gather his purpose of establishing his son as king of kings and lord of lords. And I'll hopefully be able to cover that when we circle back here on this after we get through Esther chapter 3. Uh, or I'm sorry, after we get through the whole book of Esther. But before then, let's uh, just some housekeeping items. Once again, all of our scripture comes from a New King James Version of the Bible. If you'd like a copy of a New King James Bible, feel free to drop me a note at Path Redemption Ohio at gmail.com more than happy to get one into your hands also um, don't forget my book is out grace abounds if you'd like a copy just drop me a note at pastorinemptionohio at gmail.com and then also don't take my word for any of this make sure that you're studying to show yourself approved unto god and make sure that you're doing the work as well So with that, let's go ahead and get into Esther chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, where the Bible says, When Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one may enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So there are a couple things here real quick. First is Mordecai went into morning. Again, the Haman had just gone ahead and gotten the king's approval and said, King, I will give you this much money in order for to allow us to go ahead and kill the Jews. And that's what was going on. So Mordecai went into mourning as that happened. You know, this is not dissimilar to what Jesus talked about regarding the end of this age. In Matthew 24, 9 through 10, it says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. So obviously the context here is the second coming of Christ, but we also are seeing this happen again right now in this world. And I talked a little bit about it in the opening. The Jews are still the most hated people on this planet. We see protests happening even in friendly countries as they try to end Israel. I saw one video recently where the term from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free was used. This literally means that from the river Jordan all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, that they want that to be Palestine, right? The way that it was for basically 2,000 years from the expulsion of the the Jewish people from from Palestine, from Israel, if you will, um, when when Rome came in and you saw the abomination of uh, of desolation on the altar in AD seventy, the temple was burned. It was Antiochus Epiphanes that came in and did that, and we you know about the Jewish dispersion, right? Then through various different types of things that happened, but ultimately it ended up in an Ottoman Caliphate that basically ruled Palestine with an iron fist. And and keep in mind though that the Palestinian people were not free before Israel either. They were under a very oppressive uh, Ottoman Empire that actually ran, ruled out of Turkey. Um, in fact, uh, Erdogan right now is all about kind of trying to push getting this kind of kind of caliphate back into place with a lot of the Turkish descendant nations. If you want to uh, Google just League of Turkish States, and there's some really interesting things that happen on there. But regardless of all of that, um, when you start to look at that, they were under a pretty oppressive Ottoman Empire at that time. And then ultimately, with the Balfour Declaration after the end of World War 
War One, then it was under the British mandate where Britain oversaw uh, the authority of the Palestinian state. So understanding all of that, though, we can see here that Palestine really wasn't ever free, um, even going back for a thousand years. Now, had the people lived there? Absolutely. But it doesn't change the fact that before the Jewish dispersion from the destruction of the temple in AD 70, that the land belonged to Israel, belonged to the children of Israel, belonged to the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that that's where they were supposed to be. So, But we know that right now, this is never going to happen again. Why? Because the Jewish state has been realized in 1948. And let's not forget what it says in Amos 9, 11 through 15, where it says, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, all and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land that I have given them says the Lord your God. So Israel's not going to stop from being a nation. That has already been established by God. They have come back, fulfilled a bunch of different prophecies, particularly in the book of Amos, some in the book of Hosea as well, um, and fulfilled a bunch of different prophecies, and they are established. It will never again not be Israel. Now, the borders of Israel are going to change. They're going to expand a little bit. Um, They're also going to come back with the Jordan River to what the true promised land was supposed to be. But at the end of the day, that's going to happen ultimately in the millennium kingdom. But again, that's a different study for a different time. But Next, let's see who Mordecai appeals to, because at the end of the day right now, the Jewish people are about to be destroyed. The Haman has already sent out all of these letters with the the rings, the king's signet, and who does Mordecai appeal to? And he appeals to Esther. So in Esther 4, 4, 4 through 9, it says, So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, and the queen was deeply distressed. Then she sent garments to clothe Mordecai and to take his sackcloth away from him, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and she gave him a command concerning Mordecai to learn what and why this was. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the city and square that was in the front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, and that he might command her to go into the king to make supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathak returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. So let's kind of discuss this a little bit in in detail here. Messengers came to Esther and told her of their affliction. If you hear people talk, particularly people that are in Israel and the Jews that are in Israel, about who supports them most in the world, it is Christians, particularly those that truly understand the Lord that the land of Israel is the promised land. We've talked about Esther here being a picture of the church, and it's very true. Whenever the Israeli people are in trouble, it's the Christian people that come up and the Christian nations that come up and support them. Even 
Even today, we hear about the affliction of Israel, and we pray for the peace and give support for the establishment of their land. Both the United Kingdom and the United States have major roles to play in the establishment of Israel. Without the help of these two nations, there would not be an Israel today. And I think that that's that's important, right? Because it appealed to two of the most Christian nations at that time in order to see the Israeli state come to pass. And there's a point here that that we're going to get to at the end. Esther responded by trying to help, but it wasn't the need. And I think that we have to understand that too, is that particularly in context of the return of Israel to the Jewish state, it was not, it, it wasn't the need for them to be able to take in all the Jews, right? And for them to be able to take in, um, and, and, and watch out for and care for the Jews as these nations. In fact, even in the United States today, there's more, there's more Jews in, in the United States than there are in Israel. So we've got to understand that even though that's, that meant that helped, it wasn't what, what the need was. The need in this case was for an independent Israel. So what had to happen was that, is that the Great Britain and the United States would end up having to get back a land of Israel, an Israeli democracy, an Israeli uh, state that would actually be able to be in the promised land. And what they needed was for Esther to petition the king. Now, Mordecai is a picture of the Jews had no direct access to the king, which is Christ. Only Esther did. And that's the church. And I think that's really important here, right? Because at the end of the day, like I said, the Jewish people were never going to come back to Israel unless they had help from Christian nations. And the Christian nations had to be led by people that studied scripture, whether that was Balfour or Harry Truman or whoever it was that played their part in their role at that time. Both of those men were studied scripture and they understood scripture and they both had sympathy for the plight of the Jews. So understanding all of that though, it, the Jews could not establish their own state themselves. What they had to do is they had to go out and seek someone else to petition the king to go before God to pray that it would happen for them because they didn't have direct access, right? So Esther did that. Look at Esther's position as queen. She had access to the king. Now I know that we're going to talk about this here in the next the next couple of verses that she could not go in and out before the king only when the king called her. But at the end of the day, she had safety, she had security, and she had prosperity. All of those things because of Christ. Now again, this is not about the prosperity gospel, but this is about prosperity as what Christ deems it, right? Because of the work that Britain and, and the United States did regarding the Jews, I truly believe it led at least the United States into a tremendous area of prosperity. I don't think it did that for Great Britain because as we'll talk about here in a second, they abdicated their responsibility in the Middle East, but that's neither here nor there right now. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the need here was for for Esther to go and petition the king. The need for the Jews was for these Christian nations to go and petition the world or for the Christian people to pray to God that Israel would be able to be made a state, right? So let's move on here. In Esther 4, 10 through 12, it says, Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a command for Mordecai, all the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter 
that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go in to the king these thirty days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. Now there's a reluctance here to go before the king and to help the Jews. And this happened during the return of Israel. The Balfour Declaration was again set up by Great Britain and it was ratified by Great Britain, ratified by, uh, agreed to by Woodrow Wilson, and then ultimately ratified by the League of Nations. But after the end of World War II though, the British government came up with something called the Palestine Problem. And at the first, at, at this point, Palestine or I'm sorry, the British government basically said, look, there's nothing we can do about this. They petition Arab nations. They want their own Palestinian states. They obviously talk to the Jewish people. They want their Israel. And they what they ended up doing is they gave it back to the UN and said, look, we can't do anything about this. United Nations, do what you need to do. And then ultimately it was decided to create an Israeli nation. Now, at the end of the day, though, they were reluctant to finish what was needed to bring it back. So what happened, just as Esther was reluctant to see it all the way through, she tried to give him a little bit, but not have all of it. See, then then Mordecai had to go back and petition her again. But what ended up happening was another nation would take the place, and that was the United States, right? Now look how Mordecai responds in Esther 4, 13 through 14. And it says that Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than in all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that's exactly what happened, right? Because when Britain abdicated what they should have done and to see the Israeli state through and put it back to the UN, deliverance came in another way through the United States and through Harry Truman. So he pushes back and deems it that it was for just a time as this. And this is why the U.S. became such a world power. This is why the U.S. became became the power that it was and why the British Empire then suddenly took a back seat. Another nation arises to help Israel, and it was the United States. Truman would be the first world leader to recognize Israel as a nation. It was for such a time as that, that Harry Truman, who ultimately studied scripture and even in one speech declared himself as he was the as he was a picture of Cyrus the one who declared and was prophesied in Isaiah but declared after the Babylonian activity for the Jews to go back to their word to back to their land and to rebuild their temple and worship so seeing that then and understanding how all of these things fall into place we can then understand here that Esther had a choice and that Esther was going to have to go in before the king and petition it. And that's exactly what Esther does. Because in verse 15 through 17, it says, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went this way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. So seeing that, that's exactly what Truman does. Truman says, hey, you know what? We're going to recognize this. He pushes it through the United Nations. Suddenly we have an Israeli state. 
Amen. Now look at this, though. We talked about how Haman was a picture of the Antichrist, right? And he absolutely is. And we're going to talk about that here in the upcoming chapters of Esther as well. But there was an Antichrist that was present too here in the picture of the Antichrist, and that was Adolf Hitler. When he went to kill 6 million Jews at, at the during World War II, and because of the camps, and because of the issues that were happening in, in Israel and in Jerusalem at the time, and all the things that had happened to them and the scattering of them, there was actually actually sympathy for the Jewish people. Now, over time, that has waned, right? That has absolutely waned. And even as we saw the terrible attacks on October 7th for the Israeli people, and that, and then we saw nation after nation say, yes, Israel has the right to defend itself. But now we're seeing that change, that sentiment has already gone. I believe I've said it here. I know I said it at, at church that I go to, where I told them that while sentiment is with the Jews right now and with Israel, that will not continue because it is not possible for the world to be on Israel's side. The world will constantly, because of iniquity and rebellion, be against Israel. And it's, that's the reason that Jesus has to come back to save them. So let me tie all this together. There was an Antichrist figure who declared that he wanted to eradicate the Jews because ultimately they were the, the cause of all of his issues. They were a people that weren't like the ones that, that were in his nation. They were a people that were different, had different laws. They controlled some wealth. You know, but yet they, he scapegoated them because of the loss of World War One, and that was Adolf Hitler, a picture of the Antichrist. And you see him in a picture of Haman here too, who had a vendetta against them, right? Going all the way back to even his youth. So then what happens? He goes, he makes this plot. He kills 6 million Jews, but cannot eradicate all of them. He ends up scattering Jews left and right. Once again, they go into mourning because they know that their brothers and sisters are dying. Yet they come back and into mourning, they want a land and they yearn for a land of Israel. So they petition the Christian nations. They, you have the Balfour Declaration after World War One and the destruction of the Ottoman Empire. And then you have Truman coming in to help establish a, an Israeli nation. And they ask for the, for the Queen's help, which again is a picture of the church, the Christian nations that want to do the will of God in this situation to establish them. And they say, look, for such a time as this were those people put into place so that ultimately the Israel could come back and be a nation and to fulfill the prophecies that were set forth in the book of Hosea. As I started this whole study in Esther, there is a reason why Esther appears at the end of all the history, because it's a picture of what happens to Israel going forward. After Christ, during the during this time that we're in right now, all the way up to the tribulation and into the millennial kingdom. But at the end of the day, the fact remains that it was for such a time as this that Truman was there and it was for such a time as this that that Balfour was there to make the declaration to begin and set in part the Israeli nation. Amen. Hallelujah. All of this stuff was set forth thousands of years before it would actually happen and prophesied in scripture. Amen. So understanding all of that, then we can see here that, that the church has a responsibility to intercede in prayer before the Jewish people. And if we deem ourselves a Christian nation, which in the forties we were, I would say that we had an, we had an obligation at that point to intercede for the Jewish people. And you would see it again too. Don't forget it was Golda Meir who would call up Nixon and say, look, if we don't have jets, we're not going to be here tomorrow. So then what ends up happening? Nixon, 
Nixon sends the Jets. And what ends up happening is that, that in 1967, or um, in 1973, ultimately what happens is that the Jewish people are saved, right? Why? Because it, it, the United States once again intercedes for Israel. And I'm telling you that the moment that we stop interceding for Israel as the nation that we've been founded on, on the principles that we've been founded on, we will see judgment come into us in an instant. And I need to be clear about that, right? I think the only thing that is holding back the judgment from abortion, the judgment from the LGBTQ stuff, from all the different sins that we have coming on, the worship of Molech, the worship of Ishtar, the worship of Baal that is happening right now, the worship of money, particularly with Baal. I'm telling you right now, the only thing holding that back is that we are interceding for Israel right now and supporting them. If that changes, if that stops, we are going to be judged in this nation. And that is a fact of the matter. I'm sorry. I don't want to be one that's like doom and gloom, but I got to tell you, and I got to be honest with you, right? So we need to pray, pray that our leaders make the right decisions. As Tim, as Paul told Timothy, pray that we, that there is peace in Israel and that people can then, and that, that Israel can deal with Hamas quickly and that it doesn't spread out. Although as we talk about before, I believe this will expand into a regional conflict. Whether that's this year, next year, two years from now, three years from now, it's prophesied in scripture and it will happen at some point. But at the end of the day, our responsibility as Christians is to pray and intercede for Israel, the same way that Esther would intercede for the Jews and for Mordecai here. And then ultimately what we're going to find here and when we get into chapter five next week is that is that Esther's going to throw a bank a banquet and then all and then the Mordecai is going to actually be honored here in the next couple of chapters. And then it's going to anger Haman even more, which is exactly what happens in this world, right? So look, make sure we're praying for Israel. Make sure you're staying close to the Lord. Make sure that you're understanding exactly what God is doing right now in your life. Follow the leading of the Spirit, because I'm telling you right now, it is incredibly important that we do so. Amen. Look, I hope that you got something out of this. I hope you enjoy this. I know it was a quicker one this time, but one that I think is very, very important, particularly in light of the war that's happening in the Middle East right now. The land is Israel's. The land belongs to Israel, and I don't think it's by coincidence that we're going through Esther right now, where we kind of see the foundation of of, a, of, an, of an Israeli state and the protection of the Jews from being completely destroyed um, happening here in the book of Esther as well. So up until next week, just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless. God bless.